Hi, I'm Richard, the founder of 10 Adventures, and this is the 10 Adventures podcast. Each week, we talk to real people about real adventures as they explore this incredible planet we all live on. Welcome back to the 10 Adventures podcast. Today, we're talking with Andy Dogta, who is the founder of one of North America's fastest growing outdoor clubs, Slow and Steady Hikers. It has over 12,000 members. Hi, Andy. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Richard. Glad to be here. I'm glad to have you on here because I think joining an outdoor club is one of the the greatest decisions anyone who likes the outdoors can can make. You get to go and meet lots of people who you you know, share the same passion for the outdoors. You have, you know, lots of trips you can join. So it's easier to spend more time uh, outdoors. And really, it can, it can almost become, you know, a, a close group of friends. And and so I'm really excited to talk to you because, you know, you've you founded and you've built, you know, a really large outdoor club. And uh, I want to understand kind of behind the scenes, you know, what goes on, you know, to to build a club like this. But my first question is, why did you start slow and steady? What happened that you said, I'm going to start my own darn outdoor club? <laughs> okay, that's a good one. Like, me and my wife have been hiking for, oh, God, well over 20 years. And I, I, I did, like, a lot of downhill skiing and hiking in the past before that. We used to hike with a, with a very, like, old local club that had lots of super, super experienced hikers and that. And they like to go fast. Right. So we hiked with them for a number of years and there was lots of clicks and stuff. And it always had this competitive thing to it. Right. That like, how fast can we get to this summit? How fast can we get back to the parking lot? A lot of people weren't, you know, it wasn't like enjoyable. Like, you know, the leader would take off up the trail, sit there and wait for the people to come. And when they when the last one showed up, he'd get up and get, get ready to go again. Right. So. It wasn't like I learned so much from them. It was awesome. But uh, after a trip to Alaska to do the Chilkoot uh, and, and then catching a bad cold on the plane and hearing all about like our, our next objective the weekend after was to climb up Mount Temple. And everything was going to be like it was promised. It was going to be slow and steady, slow and steady. No problem. Right. So it turned out to be like the amazing race. Right, and I could, I couldn't, like there was no freaking way. The way I was feeling that day, that I, I got about four hundred meters past Sentinel Pass, and I just went, I've, I'm done, right? And like it was basically abandoning people on the mountain, right? And it's, it wasn't cool in my opinion. And to say I got like really super pissed, and slow and steady was formed out of a fit of anger in a lot of ways. It was my wife who suggested, like, you should, you know, you're already on Meetup, so why don't you just start your own club? And I figured, yeah, why don't I? So it was basically a few clicks. I had the name. I had the club. And boom, there it was, right? (laughs) What year was that? It was uh, September of 2011. So in 11 years, growing from just you to over 12,000 members. And I think what you talk about is really actually powerful. This A lot of outdoor clubs become you know, groups of people who are out every weekend. And as someone trying to, to join that club, you know, if you're a beginner or you're just new to it, it's terrible. Like, you know, you're running to try and keep up with, 
you know, the, the fitter and, and more established uh, members. And it's, it's actually a really bad experience. And so I think it's, it's really great that you looked at this and said, Hey, this isn't a fun way to go and do this. I can't, you know, spend time to enjoy the views. It's, it's, it's like a forced military march or the amazing race or survivor or something like that. When you first started Sloan City, what, what was your goal? Like, did you think this would just be you and a couple dozen of your friends and kind of a different approach or, or did you think it might, you know, take off like it has? I never in my wildest dreams imagined it would take off like it has, Richard. I thought like, when I started it, I had some, like, you know, I had thoughts about the name, right? Like, and, and people starting to think, like, well, is this just going to be like a beginner club, right? Like, they're going to walk around, do grassy lakes, Fish Creek Park, this kind of stuff. And really what I meant, what I wanted to do with the Slow and Steady was, like, we're going to do everything all the other hiking clubs do, like like the advanced clubs. We're going to do scrambles. We're going to do easy hikes. We're going to do everything in between. Want to do snowshoe trips. Want to do cross, whatever, you know, like we do cycling trips, like whatever. We just do it at a more relaxed pace. Like we realize like, hey, the, the top of that mountain isn't going anywhere. And if we get up there at noon or if we get up there at two o'clock in the afternoon, as long as we get back down, up and down safely, it's a great day. And it's so nice to do it, to be able to have a conversation and talk and be able to breathe, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, who cares what time we get up there, you know, or, or what time we get to the lake or whatever. Let's let, let everybody have a good time take photos, stop, learn about stuff, whatever, right? As for the numbers, yeah, when I started it, I thought, like, I seriously thought, like, wow, if I could get 100 people, you know, somehow this 100 in my mind, get 100 people that would be like-minded and that, wouldn't that be great? You know, make some new hiking friends. Maybe some of my old hiking friends would see the light and join. And, uh just take it from there but like the numbers we got like it's like wow like seriously and and so as the club is growing you know how has it changed for for you or for the average member if you know someone joined back when you first started this or someone that joins now is the club different do you think it is like uh it's always been like my my deal with the club was like with my old club that we were in before one thing they had they had they had coordinators right and they had a small membership of about 500 people but they had about 100 coordinators so it was like one to five ratio so one of the things i noticed like right from the start was that a lot of hiking groups like on meetup and facebook or whatever and that they'd have one or two people leading it and they'd have like thousands of members it was simple math. It was like, how in the heck are people going to get on a hike? You know, your chances are pretty slim to none, especially if they don't know you. Like, okay, I agree, this is a problem with a lot of groups. But one of the things we did with Slow and Steady was we have lots of organizers. I know it's been it's been rough, like with COVID and all that, for a lot of our organizers to organize. But we have some amazing, dedicated people that are organizing almost every weekend. Every week there's stuff going out. Like before the pandemic, we were having some months, we were we were well over 100 events a month. So there was all levels of, of stuff for people to choose from easy urban walks to 
climbing Mount Temple, <laughs> you know? So how it's changed from the start is like, you know, unfortunately I get the things that people are saying, like it's getting harder and harder to get on stuff, right? And especially if the organizers don't know you, right? And Because basically it is up to the organizer. COVID put a, a big crimp in that, although we did keep, we, we kept going as much as we could, right? That would probably be one of the biggest, it was a lot easier to get on events when it first started because there was a lot less people, right? But there was also less organizers, so. You talk about the organizers and the number of trips, and I think that's one of the beautiful parts of, of Slow and Steady. And in full disclosure, uh, pre-COVID, I was a trip organizer as well. And um, I think, you know, as the organizer, there was a lot of responsibility, not just to run trips, but to run trips that are suitable for, you know, the group that attends. And so, you know, I did a lot of work to make sure that if we had a group of 12 or 16 hikers out, that we'd all kind of go about the same pace. Because I think the worst thing about a lot of clubs is you get a mishmash of 16 different people and some are, you know, really fit and they're hiking three times a week. And some people, it's their very first hike. In my case, it's, okay, let's make sure that if I've hiked with the people before, that's a great, you know, I understand, you know, we go about the same pace. But also I worked really hard to also in, allow new people to join because I think it's really hard. You join a club and then all the trips are, you know, are, are full or it's, you know, with existing um, uh, leaders are choosing people they've hiked with before. And I think that's another good aspect of slow and steady that uh, I think there are a lot of organizers that really went out of their way to help new people, you know, get their first trip trip with the club. And I had a, you know, a big vetting process because, you know, I want to make sure bringing somebody new onto the trip, you know, that could make or break the trip for the rest of the group as well as for them. You know, I've been on trips actually uh, where I'm the slowest guy and it's terrible because, you know, you're running to keep up and everyone's had a 10 minute break. You get there and then everyone takes off again. It's like a marathon. Um, so I think what you've done in terms of the organizers really is, is one thing that makes slow and steady um, really, you know, really fantastic because there's just, there's a trip for everybody almost every single week. At least there was pre-COVID. And I think, you know, coming out of COVID this year, there'll be. What about looking at things like safety, uh, including people who maybe are new to the outdoors, training, you know, your, your trip leaders or, or members in general? How do you handle those things? And has it changed when you're with 100 of your friends and now you have 12,000 people where you can't know everybody, you probably can't even know. Like I remember when I became a trip leader, we'd never met. I just emailed you and we went back and forth. He said, okay, this guy doesn't seem like too much of a lunatic and, and you let me be a trip leader. But but how do you handle those things around safety, you know, new new hikers, training leaders, things like that? There, okay, I'm going to be honest. Like, it, like a lot of people do approach me and want to become organizers and stuff. So one of the first things I do is I'll go into their profile, check and see if they've actually done anything with the club. You know, and do a little do a little digging on them, right? And see what what I can come up with, right? Like, uh, but a lot of the time, like I knew the people at the start and stuff, of course, right? And uh, or somebody I hike with regularly knew somebody and suggested somebody like would make a good organizer, and and yeah, that still happens, right? So then we. We'll, we'll get them set up as an assistant organizer. And ideally, they would uh, go with, with an established organizer for a few hikes to learn some of the things, right? We also have like a, a, a guidelines book for organizers. Like when you became an organizer, you probably got the whole organizer guideline book and that. And 
you know, just to kind of read through it and stuff and like what we expect from our organizers and how to post trips and et cetera, et cetera. And some rules, like some even basic rules and guidelines for safety and stuff, like stopping at all the junctions and regrouping. It was a learning process for us when we started everything too. And we had some things where we had some some fun issues, right? Everything worked out well in the end, but it was a lot of learning by doing. We have mandatory equipment. You're not going on a scramble without a rock helmet, for instance, right? And I don't care how how easy that scramble is or how many other people are going on it without helmets, you're at least carrying that thing with you. Winter hikes uh, and stuff, you're not going unless you got micro spikes. And like, with that, with the helmet and the spikes thing, it's like, it's up to you if you want to wear them or not. But like, at least we've done our part and made sure that you got them with you. And, and, and listen to the organizer, right? It's the organizer's decision. Like any hike is, if the organizer decides, okay, it's getting a little too much or whatever, or the organizer is has the last word. It's It's always been, you know, set up that it's, like, I'm the guy who started it and all that. And here's it. When the shit hits the fan with something, I'm the one who gets to who gets to hear all about it and has to fix it or whatever. But, like, if Bob or Mary is an organizer and they call an event, they are the boss, right? They're the one who's... It's their event, and I'm not sticking my nose into their event unless I absolutely have to because... I've been made aware of a safety issue or something, right? Like, hey, Mary's taking a group into uh, into avalanche terrain, and it, uh, it looks like a bunch of beginners. It's like, whoa, Mary, you got to reconsider this, right? So you mentioned this, and there's a really, really challenging aspect because all the trip coordinators are amateurs. A few have some, yeah, very few have professional certifications. There's some really complex terrain we go into. You mentioned wearing rock helmets on scrambles. Here in the Canadian Rockies, there's some hikes where I bring a rock helmet because you're underneath a lot of loose rock. You talk about avalanche conditions. Um, and I've taken a ton of avalanche training and and a lot of avalanche training is really relatable to, you know, what we do is, as trip coordinators where you're kind of in charge, but you're kind of not in charge. And you have to get away for the rest of the group to be able to express their concerns or to ask questions about the route that's being selected. In summer, you know, on a standard hike, it's not that hard, but there are issues that develop with weather, with, you know, fatigue, with illness, with injuries that um, can take what's, you know, an easy day hike, turn it into something much more serious. And I think that's you know, that's a really challenging part. And I think if someone is thinking of starting an outdoor club, it's useful to think about how you how you manage that. Because as you say, you're not on every hike. You're not you're on very few of the hikes. And so you can't be there to, you know, to help the leaders make decisions. You've got to just just hope that they can they can manage that themselves. And the rest of the group understands that everyone that on that trip is an amateur. There's you know, they aren't professional guides. They aren't guiding you. They're just coordinating a trip for 16 people to go out and and have have a great day in the mountains and have fun yeah exactly and 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 this is the thing like with with every hiking group and i know a lot of groups right so but like uh it's a great way to get out and enjoy it's like like our organizers and that one of the things like we will we'll do like exploratory trips or something but a lot of the organizers that do these kind of trips I know they're very, very experienced, right? I've hiked with most of them myself, been out, have fun. They're all good friends and stuff now. But uh, a lot of our people that are getting into organizing, one of the things we always tell them is 
okay, just do the trails you know, right? Until you get really comfortable taking groups out, do the trails you know. Do Like, start off with something easy. Go, go and do Fullerton Loop. Go and do... Whatever, you want to do something a little, go up Hauling, go up Prairie Mountain, whatever. There's a lot of people there, right? So if something something did happen or whatever, you've got safety in numbers for one thing. You've got clear communication. You've got a lot of people to help. Don't just go wandering off into the bush like we were up at Nordeg. We got stuck on the road on the weekend, right? So it can happen to anybody, right? And like... Don't just go doing that if you if 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 it's going to be a big issue to get out or or you have to you know God forbid spend a night or something and we like to educate our hikers as much as possible to be prepared for all kinds of situations. Don't just go out like in a pair of flip flops and a couple a bottle of water and a bag of chips and hey yeah we're good we're climbing that right like that's not going to happen right you know that. So growing from just yourself and a goal of 100 other hikers to over 12,000, have you consciously tried to grow the club or is it just all been word of mouth and people people finding out about the club? The group kind of took off on its own. It's on the Meetup platform, which is great. So people like get onto Meetup itself and they'll just type in hiking groups in Calgary or whatever and they'll all the hiking groups in Calgary would, that are on Meetup would pop up. And, you know, if the name appealed to them in that, and like what I've been told by members in the past is, is like the name has so much to do with it, right? Like people, so many people are in that mindset, right? Like I want to be, I want to go hiking. I want to go do stuff, but I want to do it slow and steady, right? I don't want to, I don't want to be fast and furious, <laughs> you know? So the name did appeal like within six months, of starting it, we were up to 500 members, right? It was like, wow. And it just kind of keeps growing from that. And having, we got almost 200 organizers or we got just over 200 organizers. Like they're not all organizing at once, but there's, you know, word gets out. Like uh, your best chance is to get on trips with a group and et cetera, et cetera, is to join like slow and steady because they have so many events. Richard, not all 12,000 of those people are going on hikes, I'll tell you that, right? So, like, so we're, we're looking at about a, you know, like active hikers, about a 10% ratio and that. But like, there's always the possibility. We get people that have been in the group for years, right? And they've just been kind of following it. And, and then all of a sudden, they'll come on an urban walk or an easier hike or something, and or even a harder one. And they'll go like, yeah, I've been looking at you guys for quite a while here. Well, how long have you been looking? Well, about seven years. <laughs> <laughs> you finally decided to join us that we're okay, right? Well, it's hard. That first trip, I think, is really daunting for people because it's the fear of, you know, they don't know, are they going to like the other people? Are they going to um, be able to handle the trip? You know, like I think the desire... You know, making that first step in anything is always really tough. And there's a lot of people of the desire. And, you know, once they take that first step, then they're in for life. But it's it's tough, you know, for people. So many people want to spend time outdoors, but it's just just hard to start doing it. So I, I can sympathize with people who have, who have been in the club for seven years, but never been on a trip until all of a sudden they decide to finally buck up the courage and do it. Yeah, that is like we totally know this. This is the hardest part for a lot of people, right? It's like... 
the what are your fears kind of questionnaire thing like and in the past and what can we help you with how can we get you started i have an offshoot of slow and steady hikers as you as you all know it's called slow and steady adventures which is our more educational meetup site where we address a lot of issues for new hikers and educate new hikers and and take them out like from from just basic like learning what you have to put in your pack like learning learning how to how to go down a hill learning how to walk up a hill learning how to put on your micro spikes your snowshoes how to tie your boots you know like all sorts of things and then and then talking about a lot of their fears like getting lost or we'll teach a map and compass navigation oh gosh what am the bears you know like you always get a lot of people ask like new hikers and stuff like well what about bears right it's just like you know i feel like so what about them right but like uh, i've run into bears lots of times right and you know it's not a like a weekly occurrence or anything but like we've we've had our our fun with bears <laughs> on trips and stuff but I'll usually show them a bear spray can and tell them I've gone through six cans of bear spray. And they're all like, whoa, really? And I'll, I'll flip it over and I'll say, see that little white tag on the bottom? That's an expiry tag, right? And like my six cans, they've all expired. Yeah, you see bears, you know, respect them, but like don't make it ruin your whole day and be constantly in fear or whatever that a bear is going to come and get you, right? But... <laughs> You mentioned your adventure company, and and we have a um, uh, there's a there's a woman in the Calgary tech community who I was chatting to her in an event, and she mentioned she was she'd signed up I think it was last year, and she was loving the kind of like introduction to hiking. And what she liked the most is she planned her entire summer I think it was six or eight or ten hikes, and she knew what days they were they were happening on. She liked that it was a bunch of other people who were all beginners wanting to do it, so she really felt. There was no pressure. It wasn't like she's going to be matched up with, you know, somebody who'd been hiking for years. And she knew everyone was beginner. They all knew nothing. They could ask whatever questions they wanted. And I think there's lots of people there. If they were aware of that, it's a really great way to, you know, build a social network of people. You know, you're going to go on six or eight or 10 hikes with them. You can get to know some people who all kind of want to add the outdoors to their life. And um, yeah, she strongly recommended it. So I think if there are people that are interested and they're worried about that first step. That's a really great first step that everything's done. There's no there's no concern. You can ask any question. You don't have to be an expert or be super fit to start. In fact, even I think the way you design the hikes that you do, it's based to be progressive. So you start and you get more difficult with each hike. So by the end, you can do something that at the start of the summer, you'd think you'd never be able to do, which I think she said she was really looking forward to. I think the end was a summit of, of one of the mountains where She's like, if you told me in May that I was going to summit, I can't remember what it was, but you're probably like, yeah, it's Holling or Fairview or someone. She's like, if you told me I was going to summit that, I'd never thought I'd be able to do it. And I think that's, you know, a really great way to allow someone to do something they never thought they were, they were, they were able to. Yeah, we had our, uh, we called it Sofa to Summit. I, my friend Jessica, one of our original members with we come up with that she come up with the name and uh it was a progression our the first week we'd start walking around in nose hill or not nose hill but uh princess island park in downtown calgary with a bunch of people who didn't know each other right and everybody just walking meet and greet and talk and go up the stairs by 
by the curling club and a lot of them were like all huffing and puffing and like oh my god going up those stairs and it's how in the heck are we going to climb this mountain I says don't worry you know stick stick with the program we'll get you up there and remember it is slow and steady right it's like we're not racing to the top we're we're going to do our best to get y'all up to the summit and we've we had great success with that we've changed things a little bit because of covid and all this stuff and whatever but uh we're trying something new with a membership kind of format with that too where we're where we're offering more freedom and flexibility to people because like like with a 10-week program everybody gets on it and uh the ones that stick with it are the successful ones, right? But life gets in the way with a lot of people, right? And like, you want to commit to 10 weeks, like 10 Sundays or whatever. And we'd always have people that like after four weeks or something, oh, I can't make the next two weekends. And even for some, it got too hard towards like week, week eight, nine and 10, right? And we totally understand it. So it was all like a learning process. So we started doing other things like first steps, which were really easy hikes. So people could kind of build up to even this, right? And then then we wanted to carry it on a little further. So we did a next steps. Now we've got like different levels of memberships, right? That people can come and go when they want and choose the difficulty, whatever. They want to do something really more like towards an advanced hike. They're welcome to come, right? And they're, you know, they're guaranteed to get on. But like, okay, let me tell you though, with the adventures, slow and steady adventures, this is not free. This is guided stuff. And uh, yeah, you're going to have to pay for it. Slow and steady hikers, on the other hand, it's free. But you're going with, you're going with the organizers on their hike, their trip, their deal, whatever. Yeah, I think what happens is, and I know when I was a, a, a member and then when I was a leader, you find a, a leader that goes about your pace and does hikes that are kind of what you want to do. And you're like, Oh, I just, and, and you and I have talked, uh, I used to go with a guy called Dan, who was kind of really inspiring, who uh, at one point couldn't get out of bed because he had Parkinson's and eventually, you know, hiking brought him back and got him mobile. Uh, he subsequently passed away, unfortunately. But, you know, for me, that was really inspiring to go on these hard hikes and like really tough for me. And Dan had a couple years earlier been completely bedbound and you just saw perseverance and passion and he was a fun guy and uh there was a group that we'd always go with dan and then when i started leading there was a group that i'd see on my trips that you know not that i was anywhere i was inspiring at all but i just did fun hikes at a pace that you know that's what you want you want to go on a hike where you can go at a at a reasonable pace enjoy the day yeah yeah enjoy the day not have a whole bunch of you know discussions on things you don't want to talk about kind of have just nice discussions uh, but you made a good point talking about getting into hiking which it really comes down to if you want to get into doing this and be being fit it's consistency that's really the most important thing if you go out every sunday for 10 weeks you are going to be able to be incredible if you do 10 sundays over a year you kind of don't build on it and so you kind of are starting every every fourth week starting from scratch again and i think that's the number one thing if you can commit to something go out and you know i got a lot of my fitness by doing these big uh trips in you know crossing the pyrenees or the alps or in nepal or uh down in south america where if you hike every day for a month or two that gets you really really fit and i i think most of my fitness now is just is still down to those trips i did you know 10 to 20 years ago i have another question i want to go on to is you've been doing this for a long time what keeps you going to keep you know spending all this time on slow and steady I just love meeting the people, 
I got like a lot, a lot of the people in slow and steady because like, you know, like, likes, like, right. So like I have made some of my best friends I've ever made in my life because of the club. And we all have like our, our similar, you know, we all love hiking. We all love the outdoors. We love doing stuff. We love to push each other to like help each other to like, you know, well, you can do this, you can do this, but it's never going to be to the point of like, you have to or whatever, right? Like if we decide we're turning around, we're turning around or whatever, right? So there's that understanding. The biggest thing is the people and, and like, like a lot of my friends and stuff that I have told me that they've actually like, there's a lot of people that are from out of town and stuff, right? They're not, not everybody's born here. Getting into a club like this allows them to make friends, right? Like it's amazing, right? And some of the people like, there's been more than a few that have told me that it's changed their lives. They would have left Calgary. They would have left Alberta, maybe even Canada. But Slow and Steady kept them here and the friends they'd made in Slow and Steady. That that doesn't surprise me. And I think, you know, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, I want to spend more time outdoors or my friends, you know, we're, we're kind of changing. You know, my friends are going one, my, you know, my current social groups going one direction. I don't really want to go that direction. An outdoor club is really a way to to do stuff you like with people who are very similar. I think back in university and after, you know, my group of friends from high school before, you know, they kind of focused on drinking beer and playing golf. I remember every every week I'd be like, let's go hiking, let's go skiing. And I was like, no, we're just going to go to the pub. And, you know, I kind of spent five years going to the pub and I even bought a set of golf clubs. And the entire time I'm like, this, this isn't super rewarding for me. Like going to the pub occasionally is fun. But it was, I realized that just wasn't, and you know, this is, you know, before there was meetup and uh, um, at that point I joined the ACC and found, you know, found some, some friends there, but, but really it's tough to, you know, anywhere to, to find a group that you identify with. And I think with the ease of meetup uh, and the, you know, the fact it doesn't cost anything and uh, you can go out and, and have an adventure with other people and, and find a clique, as you say, of people that you, you know, you bond with. It's an incredible way to combine something you're passionate about with people who share similar values and interests. So if you're thinking, oh, should I join an outdoor club? I think the answer is yes. If you're in Calgary, Slow and Steady is a great club. But if you're listening from somewhere else, there are lots of clubs out there. You know, you might try one and maybe it's not a perfect fit. Maybe it's like your Fast and Furious club you were in before. Or there are some that are really, really slow and steady where they're, you know, doing very, very light, you know, almost just like city walks where, you know, they, it kind of runs the whole gamut. But, you know, it is a great way to add a lot of, you know, meaning and, and satisfaction to, to your life, especially if you're new to a city and you don't know anyone, because it's really tough, especially in the time of COVID, to, to, to meet people. Um, so I want to end, you know, there are people who have thought, oh, I'd love to have my own hiking club. I'm not happy with the club I'm in, or I think it can be done better. What would be your advice to someone who's, you know, maybe has that itch, you know, they want to have their own outdoor club or hiking club. You know, if you could go back 10 or 12 years, you know, is there any advice you'd give yourself or anything you said, oh, I really did that right. I'm glad I did it this way. Oh, that's a great question. Uh, like, like I said earlier, like at the start, like slow and steady was kind of started on an angry note by me. Right. So don't don't go in there and just because like, oh, I'm really pissed and I don't like the way things are going. and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Right. I've known of people that have done that in the past and it didn't work out. Right. Like, 
you don't want to start a club and go in there and just go like, well, it's going to be my way or the highway all the time, right? And that's like slow and steady pretty much runs itself because of our great leadership, our organizers and that, right? It, and I leave it up to them, right? So I would go into it and really consider like, okay, what do I want to do? What kind of club do I want to start? Do I want to start like an urban walking club? Do I, you know, like want to do like, you know, like tour guiding for people? Or do I just want to start a hardcore scrambling club or or whatever, right? Like, so that that'd be the first thing to think about is what exactly, what kind of, what kind of club do I want to do? What kind of people do I want to cater to? And you got to realize with people, like, when you do start getting your members and stuff, and you will, that everybody's different. You're not going to have a bunch of replicants of yourself. If you want that and you want everything to be, like, perfect and just, like, your way or the highway, don't do it. <laughs> right? Just uh, do not do it because it's not going to happen. You're dealing with people. Right. And one of the things you learn as a club leader or an organizer is you probably learn more about psychology and leadership and human behavior or survival, whatever, than you would going to any school almost, right? Like you're you're out there doing it. Nature can be a great the best teacher, right? For so many things, right? And and you'd be surprised what how people open up to you on the trail and like if we're backpacking or whatever right you're you're spending a week or so with the same group of people you learn a lot about each other really so one thing starting a club you got to be a bit of an extrovert you got to love people you know it's not just like i love nature and i'll let these people come with me but i don't want to talk to them then it's not going to work, right? So <laughs> you got to love people. You got to you gotta watch each, help each other grow, like watch each other grow, right? Help each other out all the time. It's like I say, it's how you made the best friends. You mentioned being extroverted and um, I'm actually really introverted. And so, you know, if, if it's a dinner party or a, uh, you know, a drinks, you know, reception, something like that, I find that incredibly stressful, but I find going on a hike with people, it is not stressful at all. And so people that I hike with are always surprised when I say I'm introverted. Well, I would have never guessed. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like the worst thing for me in the world is when we have like, oh, there's a, a tech community meetup and we're all going to go to a, a pub. For me, that is, there's nothing that's more stressful in my life. I think maybe my kids getting ill, but it's like, I find it so tough. But there's something about being outdoors and hiking and talking with people. It is totally non-stressful. And I've, I've talked to other introverts and they feel very similar that it is, it is a way, again, if, if you're not super extroverted, but you like, you know, you like talking to people, there's something about walking up a trail beside somebody. And you know, when there's a group of 10, you can talk with each person for a little bit and invariably find something interesting to talk about. And I think for me, at least that's one thing I really like about the outdoors is it's a non-threatening way to have a social you know, a social adventure almost that for me, it's, it's really tough to do that um, in most other ways, but, you know, I, you know, being in, in, in the club and having these great experiences uh, it made it so much easier to like have all that social interaction. So you totally, you totally nailed it. Like 
you totally nailed it there there like the group is for everybody it's all inclusive we don't care where you're from who you are what you do i i've always been kind of extroverted but i have a lot of friends who are like you some people are even like they've been totally introverted and they be, they've actually become organizers just being like you say out in the outdoors and talking to people on the trail and it breaks so many people out of so many different shells. One year we did a Sofa to Summit program and we had four ladies and this was a fairly, it wasn't like a totally gregarious, like go get them kind of group, this one particular one, but there was four ladies that have all since become organizers. And just because of this, uh, this event, they didn't know each other before it started. Like day one, nobody knows each other unless it's a couple. They've gone on numerous trips all over the world together. They've done the Inca Trail. They did Everest Base Camp. There was a few other things they've done. They do a lot of stuff together in town. They hike together a lot. So, yeah, people become lifelong friends, right? And it doesn't matter if you're an introvert or an extrovert or whatever is in between, just a vert. (laughs) So... It's, it's, it's for everybody. We're all inclusive. We don't care what you are. You want to hike? You want to be outside? Come, come with us. You're welcome. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's a great way to end this. And, you know, I think you can hear through Andy's passion about the club and, and why he's, he's doing it. And then my experience as a club member and as an organizer, you know, it really is a great thing to do. If you want to start your own club, if you want to join a club, you know, it's kind of only upside. And so I want to thank you, Andy, for being on the podcast uh, today. Uh, I loved hearing your story. I was thinking back to fun trips I'd done pre-COVID. And, uh, you know, uh, thanks for everything you've done for, you know, the outdoors community here in, in Calgary and the Rocky Mountains, because I know there's thousands of people who have had great experiences because you got frustrated 10 plus years ago with the Fast and Furious. And you created a uh, create Slow and Steady. It's been a trip, Richard. It's been a trip. <laughs> That's for sure. And we're going to keep going for as long as I can. <laughs> I've already got plans. Like, I've already got people, like, lined up that, like, if if I walk into a tree or off a ledge or something one day, <laughs> they're going to take it over and keep it going. So Slow and Steady will always be there. <laughs> Oh, that's great. That's great. If you want to learn more about Slow and Steady, I'm going to post some links in the show notes so you can, you know, check out their hikes. They've got lots of trips going on here and summer will be another busy summer. And with that, I want to thank everyone for listening to this episode. Uh, We'll be back next week to explore the world and hear more about Epic Adventures on the 10 Adventures podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the 10 Adventures podcast. If you liked it, why not give us a review? Better yet, subscribe and get inspired again and again. Also, if you want to find your own adventures, why not check out 10adventures.com where you can use our free resources to plan your own trip or book a tour in over 60 countries and make your own epic memories on your next adventure.
Welcome back to the 10 Adventures podcast. Today we're talking with Andy Dragta. Did I say that right? Dragta. <laughs> yeah, close enough. How, how, how do you say it again? You only got to say it once. How, how is it again? I, I, I feel it's, I got it wrong there. Okay, I always tell people like it's, 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 it's an old Dutch German name. So it's like, uh, and it's people have been screwing it up for years, right? So it's, it's Dragta. Like, drag, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, drag, t- drag, t- 